Oh, man. <laughs> I made my day. <laughs> I made my day. Dennis, happy hey. hour to you, my friend. Yes. How's it going? It is. It's the best part of it's the best part of my day, I must say. This is sacred ground, my friend. Yeah. Sacred ground. And I must say what turn your phone off, Eric. Uh-huh. I can't believe that you do that. And then you gotta edit it out. It's only fitting that your phone has to be edited out of our podcast. Yes. Some producer you are. So you were saying, I don't know. I can't remember. It's part of your day. Uh, sacred ground. Oh, yeah. Sac- oh, sacred ground. Yes. Sacred. And I actually went shopping for tonight. I got my standby. Smittix, of course, which I'm toasting you now. Nice. My favorite Irish ale is just so fragrant. Frequent non-paying sponsor of the program. Yes. And... As you may recall, the first canned amber beer that I've really grown a liking to from Point Brewery, Amber Ale, in a can. Mm-hmm. Comes up next. That's right. ice cold and waiting for the right moment. You got to be clever at least a couple of times before I open that up. You got to line them up. You got to get it, get them ready. You got the little conveyor belt set up. So it's too bad that our 47 listeners can't see you because you are becoming strikingly the image of Maynard G. Krebs. Your, I don't know who that is. Your, your, your facial hair is beginning to make you look rather French. Oh. Which I, which I, know, oui. I know secretly you loathe. We oui, mon moustache. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. You look like V for Vendetta. <laughs> well. The iconic, the iconic character with the, with the most famous goatee and moustaches that uh, a cinematic history has ever seen. Without exception, would you agree? That was back before wearing masks was, was cool. Little did he know it was at his time. So the only thing I was going to say tonight, I was going to say, hello, Eric, welcome to Belarus, where there apparently is a full-fledged autocratic party being built to take over and beat democracy in the United States. Cool. It goes by the name of, yeah, yeah. It's like the Matrix spelled backwards. Can you say that? Certain. Yeah. The X is silent. Uh-huh. Welcome to Sertan. Maynard, come to Sertan. And so what's, what's happening in... Oh, the whole deal with uh, the 17 states. Yeah. 17 states signed on to the Texas lawsuit asking to overturn the election based on some stuff that somebody might have seen, but we think it's true. And when you read the when you read what the allegations are, there's nothing that's of a, a criminal nature proven or even dispensed. It's just the, the worst possible ever. And the thing is, democracy will win. Joe Biden will be sworn in. Trump will become another motherfucking tweet lunatic who happens to have a following that isn't the seven million that he got through this election by far. It's the same base he's always had. It's 3.5 million. There's a lot of people who voted for Trump who just will never vote for a fucking Republican, but they're not going to follow him to the ends of the fucking earth. Yeah. He's going to create the largest third party in American history, decimate the Republican Party, and the Republican Party will, there, there has to be a, there has to be a, a breach of a split in the party, either a separate party or a completely separate wing. But the, the Republicans who who know how to make sense of shit, right. they, there's plenty of them out there. They just have to take take over at least a wing of the Republican Party. Even so, the Democrats are, are still going to struggle because no one's divided as much as the Democrats. Like, I don't think that's as true this year as it has been historically. I'm not saying that it's not true at all. Because but that, I'm just that's saying because there's, there's a, a, that's, because there's a that's because there's a big ogre outside the town walls. Well, and everyone is well, banding and, together. And, He's not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. And so the Biden camp, which is large and more diverse than Obama's camp, that coalition is going to work through the processes and come out smelling like a rose while fucking Trump does everything he can from now on. He will, in fact, have an event on Air Force One the day of the inauguration and make it a huge deal for him to to go to Mar-a-Lago, where he will give the uh, first campaign speech of his new campaign and not say that he's running, but say that he sure is thinking about it. And that will be his posture for as long as the $170 million a quarter get raised for him to do what? 75% of the money, whatever the fuck he wants. Surely. And there it creates the 35% party. 
Democrats end up to be 47 and we stay in power for years in constant fear. Surely the but deaths and the, the indictments are going to encroach upon his... His indictments? His doings. The only thing that would be better for him and his movement than imprisonment would be crucifixion. And the only problem with that is that he wouldn't really want to be able to spend the money, as far as he knows. As far as he knows. So, what, so let's examine Trump's spiritual side. What do you think? What? What do you think he believes in, in terms of what does Donald think will happen to him when he dies? What? What? He doesn't. Give me an idea. What do you think is going in his head about what? What happens when he dies? He doesn't think about that. He cannot contemplate the world existing without him. Ooh. I don't think he is. Is he leaning on the side of the brook, looking into his reflection in the water? And knowing that he's the most beautiful thing that he's ever seen. I see where you're going with this, and I believe your diagnosis is correct. Points to you, sir. 12 points. Your turn. What is Kellyanne Conway's new post appointed by Donald Trump this week? What is her new post? You have 30 seconds. Secretary of the Bullshit Factory. What is the Secretary of the Bullshit Factory? <laughs> you're not just dumb, you're dumb twice. What? You're dumb the first time and then you're dumb the second time, you dumb motherfucker. Hey. So, she's been appointed to the board that oversees something. And I've drawn a blank as to what it is. You know what I think it is? Handbook is board and overseas. Look, look it up. Google it as, as, as we speak. What is Kellyanne Conway's new post? I thought I had it in my head, and then, then I, I drew a blank, <laughs> which, no pun intended. Here. That's the, best, that's the thing you best know how to draw. <laughs> uh, new federal post appointments. appointments. She was sitting on the board of visitors to the United States Air Force Academy. That's it. Say that again. Really. This is not an appointment that is being received very well. Say it again real slow. She's on board. Hold on, I'm reading this from the Conservative Journal Review. Uh, new book, new appointment. On Tuesday, a list of new appointments was published by the White House. On that list was Kellyanne Conway, who is now going to be sitting on the board of visitors to the United States Air Force Academy. This is not an appointment that is being received well. For instance, former Air Force Lieutenant Catherine Smith stated that she was really disappointed that the president has selected someone who doesn't have the gravitas to deal with the really important issues with board she should be dealing with. Yeah. What even is the board of visitors? Right. And, and, and why are people one. so upset that it requires such gravitas? Number one. That's number two. That's really the important question. This would cross my mind as well. So, so wait, wait a minute. So number one, I sense outrage. And number two, I sense a total lack of clarity as to why. Right. Exactly. Now, unlike as he did uh, today, which is even more recent news, is his appointments to oversee the Pentagon. And that now is, you know, some, some much more serious shit, as they do have a voice in, in public policy. But all in all, I think that the desperate and ill-timed, my Supreme Court, the Supreme Court, this is that the big deal in the Trump campaign and Giuliani from his hospital bed, where, where no one can see him there because he doesn't have like plasma and some clear liquids moving into his veins from the bag that's raised above his bed. No, it's blood because he is, in fact, a vampire. He's been found out. That wasn't hair dye that was running down his face. That was fucking blood. That was deep, dark, dark blood. If there isn't a meme out there that shows that, you could be the first. I saw, it, could, it could go crazy. I saw a great tweet that I will share in the show notes. It says, breaking, Giuliani has been airlifted to Walter Reed and Sons Piano Repair. <laughs> that's, that's rich. <laughs> So clever. That's rich. He just, it's so quick. And that's the thing about these funny things is that they're just quick. It's just like, boom, boom, boom. They got a rhythm to them. And your delivery is, is exquisite. I've got to say. It'll be in the show. So I, I, moved a, I moved a picture from off to my right to directly in front of me by the computer, which is the uh, angel Gabriel visiting the Virgin Mother with the, uh, the Holy Spirit surrounded by... Uh, a nest of cherubim are standing on uh, what appears to be a, a hillside with flowers, but may actually be clouds. And Amen. so it's there for me. It's there for me. Does it, do, you, do you draw comfort from 
Yes, the images? Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I probably said more Hail Marys than anyone you've ever met. Which, I don't know how many people, number one and number two, I certainly don't know how many of them say Hail Mary. But anyway, that's a glimpse. I don't know. I live over here in Catholicistan, but I don't see a lot of people saying Hail Marys. What I do see is the older generation will cross themselves when they enter or leave a building. Uh, uh, a neighbor of mine, when she leaves the, our apartment building, she'll cross herself and, and, and kiss her fingers or something. Like, yeah, yeah. Please, God, let. I, I don't even know what the prayer for. It's, you know what it is? You know what she says? Threshold. Watch over me. That's all. That's it. That's it. Until I just watch over me. Yeah. Just watch over me. Just don't let shit happen. All right? Not, going not out. now. Not on the walk home. Just here. Listen like, to me. Like, not today. Not today. That's what she mumbles to herself. Dear Lord, I don't know if you've heard me. I want to say this with all firmness. Not today. Please. Yeah. I don't know. She's, I don't know. I think the Lord says, oh, well, all right. I don't want to get in your shit. I was going to, but I guess now. (laughs) Right. Now that you've asked not to. He'd say, say, Jesus. My son. Yeah. Well, anyway, these are crazy times where everything's, everything's escalating everywhere. The Vaccines are being pumped out. I love the I love the fact that the the first and the second people to receive the vaccine became worldwide phenomena, and uh, particularly uh, the second man whose name was William Shakespeare, where he quipped, "This is the taming of the flu." Nice. His name, in fact, was William Shakespeare. That's pretty that funny. That explains, you didn't laugh. That explains Why, a, you, a tweet I saw earlier, was, where it was a pun on that. It was like. Um, here in the house of Corona, let me set the scene or something. That was yeah, yeah, Shakespearean. Yeah, yes, months. that's it. Who doesn't love that's, Shakespeare? That's it. But the the head of the British Billy Shakes uh, bureau Got the that oversees all of this was interviewed, and it he he was in tears, and that this could happen in such a short, relatively speaking, mm-hmm. uh, short period of time. So it was moving. And it does mean, in fact, that the end is near. The, the difficulty of not. operations notwithstanding. <laughs> yeah. Notwithstanding, as Trump does everything he can. There's this uh, New York reporter. Oh, God, what is her name? I'll have to think about it later. But she said this is a slash and burn administration. Different administrations leave the place in different ways. Some of them, as you know, the prank when uh, George W. came in, that they removed all the W's from the uh, keyboards. But that's as serious as it got. These really? guys are, are turning over desks and taking files and running out the building and setting fires and, and putting people in posts and writing executive orders and just this flurry of insane shit, all, almost a lot of which Biden can just fucking undo. Gonna... If it's posts and appointments and, right. well, of course, pardons. <clears throat> Trump is offering, he is talking to his staff about giving pardons to people who don't want a pardon. Because when you accept a pardon, it means that you admit guilt. And they're protesting, get me off your list. That doesn't help me. And Trump is interrupting meetings when they're talking about something else and says, oh, oh, by the way, yeah, that guy? Yeah, put him on the pardon list. It's just in case. He's handing it out like fucking candy. Of course. Again. Right. That's part of the law. It's perfectly constitutionally allowed. And himself and his children. Yeah. He said about he said about Mike Flynn. He said for anything that he's ever done, anything that he might ever do, anything they might consider doing, with or without anybody else, in perpetuity, he is immune from federal prosecution. And that means that when he comes up for a state a crime that he committed, they he can't say anymore. He can't plead the Fifth Amendment. When the state says to him, what did you do here? And it was what he did was a felony. He can't use the Fifth Amendment because he's already been pardoned for a crime that he freely admits he committed. Yeah, but okay, you can't. Is it true that you can't pardon someone for crimes they haven't committed yet? Is that true? No, uh, not necessarily. Because otherwise. Well, well, no, not that they haven't committed yet. No, as a date certain, backward. Okay. So whenever the, just, whenever the pardon date takes 100? order. Okay. So if it's okay. December 8th, then from that point backward. And then if you go out in your part and you break the law tomorrow, then, then that's a different matter and can be prosecuted. I don't understand the, if you accept the pardon, you're, accept, you're admitting guilt. That it's a pardon. 
by virtue of its definition, it's a pardon for a crime committed. It's not a pardon for uh, accusation. It's a pardon for a crime committed. It's not a card that you could then play if you were convicted. It's a, hey, do you want to admit guilt and not have any punishment? Like, no matter what, like... It's not, a, it's, well, it's a, here's the thing. It's not a question. These people are not being said, hey, this is White House calling. You want a pardon? And these people are saying, what about this one? That's not what's happening. Unbeknownst to people, Trump is putting them on a list of pardons. And the reaction in some quarters is, <laughs> from lawyers is, whoa, bro. We, we didn't do shit. We don't need to be pardoned, motherfucker. We're, we're good, see, because we didn't do it. See, that's what we've been saying in the courts now for years. Right. So, no, we don't We don't want no pardon. Not for crime person. Walks by the person, bumps into him, and the guy says, oh, pardon me. And he says, all right, here you go. <laughs> get him on the list. <laughs> yes, first. Get him, that guy I bumped into, get him on the list. I don't know who he is. He looked guilty of something. Whatever he's done through January 19th, we'll see. We'll see what. Do you think Trump has ever uttered such words as, oh, pardon me, or sorry, I, sorry, I knocked over your glass, or whatever? No. Trump has never said in his entire life, and I quote, or therefore, unquote, pardon me. Right. <laughs> ever since he was a brat throwing fucking stones over the fence at the, the people who had less than he did in his rich little fucking little Lord Fauntleroy fucking shorty pants suit. Right. Looking like the fucking rich little shit tard that he fucking is, man. What a what? What? He's a, he's a kid that when we're... Yeah. I have not been following any news, really, this week. Busy yeah, work for... I'm afraid to follow too much. I've actually had a busy work week. It's a little unusual. I'm getting paid again. The, You're getting the, paid the, again? The getting paid again, yes. My unemployment dwindled to a remarkable $117 for the final week, and now I'm done. So the work I do now, I get paid for, so that's good. Nice. Most people aren't so fucking lucky. It's more than we get at patreon.com slash happy hour. <laughs> that's your listeners. fault. Shit, you give us shit. You got 47 fucking people listening, and you, what, you squeeze, like, two of them to give you money? And yeah. one of them's your father? Or two, yeah. <laughs> and I don't even think they... I don't think I'm not the dude who gives us advice. I like him. Has he been in touch with us? The dude who says, hey, I listen to a lot of podcasts, and this is what you should do. He said, you should grow goatee and shit because it, it'll look better. Like right. him. <laughs> so my, my problem here is I can't grow a goatee because there's this spot here below the corner of my mouth that is just, there is no hair. So, like, it won't complete all the way down. There's a mustache. Do you know, do you know, how, to make it, you know how to make it grow hair? I have a hint for you. There's nothing Shave to it. No, no, that's what you think. That's not what the skin thinks. In this case, quit thinking like yourself and instead think like your skin. Mm -hmm. Your skin is feeling ignored and your skin says, fuck no, I'm not going to grow anything. And you say, hey, you know what? You've got the potential. I'm going to shave you. And these little tiny infinitesimal hairs, they're good courage. And like the Buffalo Bills running for another fucking touchdown, fucking amazing with a fucking short off to the right pass. Bam. They're Bam. fucking there, bro. Huh. They're there. They're there. That's how hair grows, man. Where the hair don't grow, you gotta cut it. Okay. Where the hair don't grow, you gotta cut it. Don't think you don't have to think about it. You gotta shave with intention when you're shaving. You gotta grow the hair that you've been craving. You look funny with a mustache and a beard that's disconnected. There's a big space where some hair ought to be. Yep. And the only thing that I can tell you, brother, is to shave where you want the hair to be. You think you would shave where you didn't want hair to be? Like your pubic area? <laughs> Maybe that's my problem. I've been shaving so much down there. It's just like George H.W. Bush down there. Huh. Oh, Lord. Yeah. You funny. <laughs> you funny. It's like Maynard. That's that's it's like reverse hair psychology. If you want there to not be hair, then you let it grow. But if you want there to be hair, then you cut. Hey, I got so, a cool uh, birthday present. A picture, a whisk that you would use to uh, stir a very large metal bowl of eggs 
to make enough biscuits to serve 20. Picture the size of that whisk. Do you have it in your head? Maybe now, clip, clip all the circular ends off of it. So, in fact, it is not, it, they're not connected. And now you've formed what is, in fact, a cone that you can put over your skull ah, yeah, and use to scratch your scalp yes. in one fell swoop. These are amazing. It's it, it touches pleasure centers that maybe the ancients knew of the deep scalp massage. But oh. until you get the, the old whisk on the noggin, I, I, it feels... It's so... It, it, do it, you, and you just do this sort of like plunging motion. And your hair, it's crazy. Do you, do you use it on your uh, ankle and your foot? Yeah. See, my problem was I used the whisk without cutting the loops. And, and it so got tangled up in it the gets pubes. Whisking my pubes. That puts a new meaning to you're going to beat that thing. <laughs> you forgot to you forgot to clip the whisk. There's a song in there, man. Come on. That's got to be that's got to be the refrain. I clipped the whisk. I clipped the whisk. Right. Think about it. Come on. Right. That's what I that's what I miss about our February engagement because it ain't gonna happen this year. My pubes are getting whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> It's a, is the our songwriting sessions. Yes, yeah, so that's why we have this not sufficient weekly discussion. So yes. can we? Uh, we can in fact bring in three people, but when we play music virtually, there is a problem because of the um, delay of the. Yes. What do you call it? Latency is the technical term. Where my and like even phone communication, all everything has some latency. Where what I'm saying to you is arriving to you, thankfully, it's way less than a second now, but a couple dozen milliseconds or a hundred milliseconds after I'm saying it. So if we try to keep a rhythm together that has to be together and properly synchronized, you can't do that because the time it takes for my clap to get to you and then your clap to get back to me, if I'm recording, it's it sounds twice that, that time. So it, it's not really possible. People have tried it. Certainly this year, people have made attempts, but... The only really way, the only real way to do it is you have to record one person, like much like they do in the studio sometimes when the different band members are not present at the same time. You record one track, and then the other person comes in and can record their track over it. But at that point, like the track is there on the same you know computer as it's being recorded, so it's it's not collaborative in the way. Otherwise, would, it would be right. you, would, you know. There's some amazing things going on at venues that have gone completely virtual and instead are taping and streaming full stage performances by. The bands in the location where they played for years, it's very difficult to get any kind of real money out of that, and it's a struggle. Did you hear, and this is a is similar topic, and it being that there are some Herculean efforts out there that maybe the show notes can reflect to save our stages mm -hmm. uh, that I've seen, and I'm going to see if I can figure out my sparse income can provide yeah, because some money. The, the, both, the, both the artists and the venues must be really struggling. They're struggling. They're struggling terrible. And similar to then small business restaurants, which, you know, is, is, as you may know, I worked in the restaurant industry for probably more years in my life than any other job I've ever had. And uh, these hardworking people are just, they're decimated. They can't fucking pay their rent. They can't, they, they're fucked. Right. And the reality show, what is it, diners, dives diners and something or other, the, the chef Ferrari is his name. He said, fuck this. He raised $21.5 million in a week yeah, and and put more money behind the small business restauranteurs than the federal government. Oh, yeah. That's how fucking pitiful this motherfucking Congress is that these cocksuckers can't fucking get to the point to help these people that are fucking dying out there, that keep our communities fucking alive. Where we go, what we want to do, where we want to drink and eat and walk, yep. and they're fucking starving us, and they're starving them, and they're turning them into fucking, fucking goddamn quarter-inch plywood over fucking windows. It's fucking ridiculous. Give the fucking money to them. Yeah, Mitch McConnell's being a real bitch about this. The Grim Reaper, he laughs and jokes and says it's funny. <laughs> he's the fucking turtle man. Yeah. He's, fucking, he's got enough skin on his neck to make a fucking Thanksgiving turkey fucking envious. So speaking of venues closing, this week I attended a technical conference, totally virtually, I think it would have been in California somewhere if it had been real, but 
it was this sort of online, the, the, you, you log into this thing, if you've paid for a ticket or if you are one of the speakers or whatever, I was a speaker, and you can then go into these virtual video rooms and I gave a two and a half hour workshop where I was streaming live from my desk in Spain to people all over the world and they were following along and asking questions and they could choose to share their video as well. You've got up to seven or eight people could share video. Did you use graphics and, and other oh, yeah. I was teaching presenting. methods? Yeah, I had, uh, I had slides and and then i was like sharing my screen and like writing code and Jesus, showing... two and a half hours is fucking that's a yeah. long fucking <laughs> that's a long presentation that's, yeah that's like a full day's worth of work i was exhausted uh, you and you got to be sharp you can't be umming and on your way through it you got to be and i've yeah I've, I've struggled through some webinars that are an hour and a half but two and a half hours i would say no we're not doing two and a half our max is one and a half and then we're fucking dead but so, uh, it was intense and but then also after that, I had I was assigned to a chat room sort of place where I had to go and have my video and audio on, and then people could come in and either ask me questions via typing or share their video, and we could chat a little bit, like recreating this idea of at a uh -huh. conference, the notable networking. people are casual networking have agreed to be in room seven B from five to, to yeah. from five to six p.m. People get up and leave during the event. I suppose so. I certainly. How many people in your room? Of the, maybe there might have been like 300 total, but I had 50 or 60 in my room oh, that's for a good. long time. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a lot of people. And then there's always a bunch of, of lurkers or whatever, but then when I said, okay, that, that's it, I got a bunch of thank yous and a bunch of uh, comments. So, yeah. oh. Here's to you, man. Oh, yeah. That's the uh, point. Amber Lager in a can. Well, I'm pleased to endorse this burger. Right back at you, bro. What's that? It's a... Spanish lager, San Miguel, San Miguel. Oh. San Miguel. Oh. Yeah. Their, their slogan is, uh, Donde va triunfa, which means wherever it goes, it triumphs, which Whoa. is a great slogan. If you're going for a marketing wherever slogan. Where we go, we triumph? Where, yeah, or wherever it goes, it triumphs. So if you take a six-pack of this to a party, you'll people will be like, oh, yeah, man. Yeah. So, hey, man, hey, man. Where'd you get the cool beer, man? Wow, man, what kind of beer can I have a taste? Yeah. Sweet brewskis, well, bro. Yeah, man. I got a, I got two six packs of it. Yeah. It's the first canned beer that I've drank in, I swear to God, twenty years. I kid you not. I think you mentioned that earlier. No. I was in my early sixties. Twenty years ago, from your early sixties. Yes. Hey, that's right. Hey, haven't had a can of beer. I haven't had a can of beer for twenty years. Last one was back in Vietnam. Yeah. Isn't it crazy that 20 years ago was like when George W. Bush was president? It's like, like it's whoa! Like, it's like the twilight's coming out here, man. It's it's every day. It's just so much and so much. And and Trump's and his people, it's you couldn't make this stuff up. Giuliani's in the hospital, and and Trump is holding these fucking parties and one of his lawyers just comes in the arms of his fucking Navarro, Peter Navarro, who's his economic advisor, who has been breaking the Hatch Act and talking trash about Joe Biden so many times that the Trump appointee who oversees Hatch Act violations recommended to the president in writing that he be disciplined. And I'm waiting. And it could be a carry a fine of a thousand dollars or blah 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 for right. every event where he was political and attacked Biden. So would have told us several thousand dollars. And I'm waiting for Trump to say, Yeah, you're right. Pay up one dollar. And then make the news and, and make another news cycle about how this and that and Trump is flaunting the system and his fucking Maverick party. Uh it it won't uh, you know, it won't uh his his life his his lifetime is dedicated to this. It's what he'll live for. His little stint to Air Force One to Mar Lago to 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 mention. Oh yes, I might run. He doesn't want to commit because then he's got campaign finance laws. No, no, he's just using his money to invite people to come to an event. That's all. He's not running for anything. I can't imagine we're big, stuck with Trump. That the big cats that would actually. Donate big dollars. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens to the the theory that I'm saying here that of the seven million who voted for him, 
that um, that some percentage of that, I would say it could be as severe as half of those would be and would end up going ahead and saying, yes, I'm in the Trump party. Right. And we could debate that. I don't know if there's polling that would ever help you assess that uh, percentage. But I believe that's what's going to happen. There's a hardcore base. I don't personally think that it's any greater than what his hardcore base was for the whole time that he was president, which is 35, 36 percent. His popularity never got above, you know, 44. If I recall, there's been no president in the history of the United States who's had such a poor, low level of, of support for such a sustained period of time. I heard an interesting podcast today about someone doing research on interviewing millennials, I guess, who whose parents have been what they call lost to Fox News, where they they used to be able to talk to their parents about politics, but over the course of over the course of of a year or more, slowly the parents are bringing up shit like QAnon and stuff like this, and how it's right. and how it's so difficult to like when it first starts you can you can tell someone okay so this thing that you just said about Hillary Clinton does that from everything that you know about the way the world works does it seem likely that's true and initially if you catch them early you can talk to them like that and then they will be like it doesn't really that, that, that's pretty far-fetched actually but that the that especially the older generation doesn't really understand how Facebook and stuff works. Like, because when you log out of Facebook, it feels like you're seeing stuff that your friends post. It feels like you're seeing your your cousin's new car or your nephew's new baby or stuff like this. It feels, oh, this, these are people that I trust that are sharing things here. And apparently some crazy percentage of people 60 years old and more don't understand that Facebook is being like generated by an algorithm to show you stuff that it thinks that you want to see. I think a lot of people don't think that deeply into it and think, oh, this is stuff that people that I trust are sharing. And so yeah. if you think that, then it's like the perfect uh, storm of a way to get misinformation out there because right. if Facebook will take money from anyone to sure. share something to you and you think, oh, this is where all my friends come and tell their truths like we did when we got together for a pool party or whatever, it's very, it's like your guard is down on, wait, is that really true? And you're just like, oh, really? Yeah, oh. Oh, oh, I did, wow, really? That's amazing. Huh, that, Fuck, that, man. that, that angers me. I'm going to go tell my friends too, Cher. Yeah, that's their source. It's right. their source, and it's, it doesn't have to be sophisticated. It doesn't have to be second source. It doesn't have to be verified. Right. A lot of people in this world don't have time but two, three, four, eight, ten minutes a day to listen to fucking clippets of news. And well, if what you listen to when you listen to the news is the fucking QAnon network, I mean, imagine that Mike Flynn, who's been fucking pardoned, that on his resume, it includes he's a, a, a QAnon supporter. He's He, like, wears the Q T-shirt about fucking Hillary and fucking eating babies and coding with fucking pizzas, man. This is who was pardoned. Isn't that a signal I get to these motherfuckers to say, one of yours is with me, I protect him? These motherfuckers, imagine if you're in the, in the business of tracking what's going on in the fucking dark world of the fucking internet with these messages from these motherfucking groups who are on that dark side of things and where they're headed with all of this crazy shit. It, it went from the people who are tracking that shit, you know what they're saying? It is fucking scary. Yeah. It is scary. Well, and I don't know. It's hard to say how much of a specific agenda there is to... Oh, it's not to, an agenda. It's a seismic shift. It's uncontrollable as a motherfucking volcano and a shift in the... Exactly. Uh, so it's, but it's this, in the same way that... People are addicted to social media or, or Instagram or whatever, where, man, I just want to say the cleverest thing that gets the most retweets or whatever, and you live to get the, the likes or whatever. I think that sort of structure and mindset is causing the, the QAnon folks to, to be like, oh, what's the most outrageous thing that is yeah. that, that's just, it, just plausible enough that people will believe it and share it? Yeah. And it's this quest for virality, this, I want to do a funny trick with my with making a crazy basketball shot and i'm going to spend yeah. 40 40 hours working on this to get, cut it down to get one clip and, sh and yeah. share that and become viral and then right. and etc and then i'm rich right. or something and, but it's, and, my, go ahead 
No, it's, it's, this, it's, this, quest, it's this quest for virality Fame. and attention. You're right, 15 minutes at least. Which is the same or, thing that drives our dear leader. DJ T? What? DJ, DJ T in the house? All right, tell me about your, your video that you saw. Because oh, the, this, I don't know. What my, was it about? I said something about basketball, but my my son is constantly coming up to me like and saying, I saw this video where these people did the most amazing thing on YouTube. Here, let me show you. I'm like, okay, I can watch one of these with you, but I'm not going to sit here and, and go through you know the 450 greatest basketball shots of all time because <laughs> you can find that video on YouTube. And in, in my – I've certainly in my weaker – I don't want to think about anything moments. I've gone down those holes and – there's some, it's like mildly entertaining the kinds of things that, that have happened but now that everyone has video cameras on them at all times uh, we can record some pretty unique events that normally would not have been noticed here we are it's it's amazing what technology has done to improve the observation and transparency of the of elect, election system I heard of a grant funded effort Lord you have to look it up to remember the particular jurisdiction but they had enough funding to be able to put uh, camcorders on all of the clo of the, the jackets of the poll workers who collected the ballots and brought them to the locations and with a voice recording of every step they were taking, which was when was is foolproof, yeah. foolproof, and uh, and that's where we're headed. And the the chasm between those of, the, of one side of this coin and the other is that there's some that care about the truth and facts. And there are some, it isn't that they don't care about the truth of the facts, it's that they don't bother to check. It's that they don't discern. It's that they just follow. And you know why? Because that's all they got time to do. Because they're too busy trying to make ends meet with the radio blasting behind them, with the crying kids and the cars that broke down and the shit that won't start and the fucking lawn that needs cutting and the lawnmower that's going to cost 40 bucks and you can't fix it and fucking running out of diapers, and oh shit, the fucking sink exploded, and now what the fuck am I going to do? And that's what they're listening in the background, is some fucking station talking about the erection was, the erection was rigged. The erection was linked. The erection was linked? No. Listen, man, 8 million motherfucking people are sick and tired of this shit that they can't make ends meet and they're working two jobs and all the bureaucracies they got to work with are so fucked up. They can't get to where they need to go. They got fucking kids that aren't fucking eating malnourished and all this shit and they're going through hell and high water and those people are listening to these radio stations that say Trump is the Messiah and you know what? There's some weird shit going on and they say, really? Tell me about it. At least it's interesting enough to take my attention away from the fucking pain and misery right, that I'm motherfucking facing. Right. Here, let's overthrow those motherfuckers. They know one thing: it ain't working for them. Which is why, which is how Trump got elected the first time, is that America was was ignoring the a certain class of people, and they were fed up with it. And rather than, well, clearly Hillary was not the was not any sort of solution to their problems, but blah blah, Trump, blah Hillary. But so. Here, like it's when your life is shit, you vote out the incumbent in general. I don't know. The other interesting fact I learned that I have not double checked, so I'm just going to share this about this from this podcast about mm, older people going over towards Fox News. The average age of Fox News viewers is 65. And the average age of, yeah. Exactly. What? And the average age of MSNBC viewers is 65. Yeah, is that wild? It's, I don't. I don't. It's people. Average. I think the younger people don't just turn on cable news and leave it on all day, in a way that retirees, boomers or whatever, are content with. Anyway, I don't have a source for those numbers, but it was an interesting sort of turned out. This in today's today's real world, we don't you don't have to worry a whole lot about citations. Yes, that will not be in the show notes, but the the link to the podcast that I was listening to will be. So what's what's been going on in your cinematic world? We did HC, I believe. I don't know if you did. Tell me the uh, first episode of Your Honor, I starring not, Brian Cranston. Oh, I'm not. I in, rather than that, I prioritized. The internet went crazy about this new Netflix movie. 
called Mank. Have you heard anything about this? Called what? Mank. Spell it? M-A-N-K. Mank? Yes. Is that like the plural of mink? No, that's past What do you do for a living? Well, I started with one mink, and soon I had two of them, and now I got a thousand mink. No. It's today I mink, yesterday I mink. And <laughs> I have monk. Before. You have to repeat that. I lost you somewhere in translation. I think the it's, delay between what you say and what I hear may have interfered. Say that again? About it's, like, the... it's like rang rung. Today is today I mink, and I have monk. No, that's not what this is about. When is the last time that you monked? I want you to be honest. The last time that I... Is it manked or monked? I done monk. I'm going to mink. I manked years ago. You now I'm feeling monk. <laughs> I was monked. Drink, drank, drunk. It's, it's the same. No, it's, I had not heard anything about it until people were talking about it all, all the damn time, it seemed. It's about this guy named... Mankiewicz, Mink. that apparently wrote most of Citizen Kane, the, the one of the most famous movies. And it's this weird, it, first of all, it's black and white. The star is Gary Olson. And he plays this sort of drunk literary writer guy. And he's in talks with Orson Welles to write this, to write this screenplay. And it's, I don't know. I'm a little bit tired of, like, on the, I can't tell if Hollywood is making movies that make Hollywood look important to please the Academy and get a, get a statue, or if they just all live in, in L.A., and so they think L.A. is the most important part of the world, and that's just their, what they know. If you think of L.A. Confidential, won a bunch of Oscars, La La Land, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which we've, we've discussed, there's all of these big like movies, songs about big being movies that are out how important Hollywood is. And this feels very much like that because Citizen Kane is like the Bible of, of movies. You can't you can't take a movie appreciation class and not watch Citizen Kane and talk about it and write a paper about it. I know I have. And it's... Put that in the show notes. The your paper. My paper. I'd like to see it. I think a lot of our listeners, wait a minute, we can use our automated voting system to see what our listeners, all right, you 47 listeners, if you feel like you would like to see this, press now. Look at that. Oh, my God. Hold 17, your... 17 of 47 want to... Hold your podcasting forward. device above your head if you would like to re read my paper and drop your podcasting device to the floor if you would not. Yeah, I don't know where that paper is. Uh, long. No, you can find... Wait a minute. Could you find it? No. Huh? You wrote it. Huh? You wrote it. It's saved somewhere. I, could you? I'm not saying would you. I'm no. not saying is it worth it. I'm thinking about this is a question around your skill level. I need to ask you. Could you find that paper? If it contained the most important documents to if it contained the genome of the vaccine that would save millions of lives, no probably not. Uh, it was probably on a floppy disk. Well, in, you didn't have to set up something that steep to say no. It seems to me there's, it's there's no way. And weaker, I, I couldn't even read a floppy disk. <laughs> no, there's no way that's I don't have any I, of my own. I love uh, how you paper. bring Armageddon right into the podcast here. And it's just refreshing. That's <laughs> not Armageddon. To about end of the world stuff. Yeah, yeah. What's so, up, Pete? So anyway, uh, it's this. Happy hour could be your last hour. Dot com at uh, https yeah. backslash backslash www dot what the fuck is this website address dot com. There you go. It's. I think there is a dot wtf top level domain. I would imagine. I could be wrong. There's definitely a dot uh, lol. That's a that's an lol. It's a, the top level domain is like a dot com or a dot net or a dot org. It's the end of the, the web address. Anyway, this I don't know. This Netflix movie it was okay, but it it felt Which? like Mank. This movie. Oh, Mank. Here we oh, go. Focus. Come back. You brought us back to center. Thank you. I was uh, lost. Yeah, the ever-ending segues. It was cool to picture, I guess, 1930s Hollywood and and how they dressed and. They were, William Hurst was an important character, and the other name that I recognized that was a politician in California. Just on the tip of your fucking lips. Are you using the uh, internet as your memory and saying, what the fuck, I don't have to remember the shit. It's just a touch of a finger away and saving your mental energies for other things? Uh, that's what I tell my wife when I can't remember things, yes. 
uh, William Randolph Hearst and Upton Sinclair. Ah, yes. Um, and <clears throat> I don't know. It, it's an interesting period piece. But... What if we name the child? I think we should name the child Upton. Well, darling, I don't know about the name Upton. It doesn't sound very familiar. I believe it will be a literary name, Upton. What the fuck names this kid Upton? Who else is ever named Upton? Do you know, in the history of the world, it seems like singular. I'll tell you. His father, whose name was Upton Sinclair Sr. There we go. <laughs> that explains it, doesn't it? Who is a liquor salesman whose alcoholism shadowed his son's childhood. Yeah. So, yeah, it was a kind of interesting, but it felt like it was trying extra hard to, I think, yeah, I think they misspelled it. I think the M should have been upside down, more like a, a wank movie. Wank. <laughs> Just given Hollywood. You freaking on the movie, shit. I saw you. But what they, one, one cool thing they did was, it's all digital now, and of course it was streamed over Netflix. But they had those little circles at the top right of the of the of the screen when it's time to change the film roll. The old, uh, the old all movies used to have that, and yeah. they thought it would be clever this, as this is being in about old film. Anyway, there was a is the the woman that was keeping care of, of Megwitz and, and typing up his his script is played by Tuppence Middleton. Tuppence. Exactly, which is a thing. Names his baby Tuppence. A greedy motherfucker. Who is No, sorry. Tuppence was another person. Fascinating. Go go on with your story. I'm on edge of my seat. The girl that, that, that typed up all of his script was was played by Lily Collins, who's the daughter of Phil Collins. Uh -huh. And I I I paused the movie halfway through to just to see if I had seen her in anything else, and as soon as I saw that she was the daughter of Phil Collins, like I could totally see his face every time she was on screen. He was super, super weird. But yeah. anyway, it's a thing that everyone's talking about. I thought it was okay. I'm sure it's going to get some nominations for something, but it's meh. Is my my like, So I've been thinking about the information that we shared about some cinema. Mm -hmm. And uh, the very, very deprecating hilarious shit about the undoing where one of the series of questions is like, what the fuck is it with all these rich people that none of the rooms they're in have ceilings and it goes into this kind of rampage about no ceilings and when you think about it you recall the images of where they held the event the fundraising event in the beginning of it and the height of the kitchens and of the ceiling in the kitchen at their apartment and the height of the ceiling in the piano room where everyone is saying donald sutherland and the other character he played which is actually just his fucking eyebrows <laughs> which is which if now taken on there was some in this question there there was some question as to say so how do we know that donald sutherland's eyebrows didn't do it they certainly look like they could have. They could bludgeon a woman. And now you would add to that, his fellow makes me mistrust him. Filter. Yes. That's another part where I can't grow any hair. There's no hair there. Hey, that, what did that, that tell you? If you want to grow your hair, you got to shave. If you want to grow your hair, you got to shave. Keep your hands off your pubis. Use your razor just to do this. If you want to grow your hair, you got to shave. You know what, what Christian what Christian Sean Connery always says? Jesus shaves. Jesus. You know what? Oh. And so who oh I know what I wanted to talk to you about. Tell me. Traveling Wilburys and the documentary. Oh, it's too late, we gotta go. Thumbs up. Tell me. The document well, I sent it to you. We discussed it. Yeah, over the... I, I think I've I think I've seen that a couple years ago and just amazing what level of talent like it's when I fell in love with Traveling Wilburys, I had never really heard of the concept of a supergroup or anything like that. They were just awesome, and I was already a Tom Petty fan, and I probably could have told you what George Harrison was famous for, but maybe sort of knew who Bob Dylan was, but I couldn't probably have picked his voice out from the on the songs. Yeah, when I was a you know fourteen year old, or whatever. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. But I I certainly love the Traveling Wilburys, and 
as far as supergroups go, it's they're definitely one of the best. First of all, they all come from individually. I love their music, so it's it is inarguably the best in my view. It is inarguably the best, and the magic behind it was the spontaneity, and as the documentary shows so vividly, is the fact that holy fuck, we all are available, including Dylan, for ten days, and and what's this fuck is giving us his house, and his yeah. recording studio which is so small that we, we extended it into the kitchen, and that's where we're playing. And there's an image, iconic, of Bob Dylan using a set of drumsticks on a fucking overturned plastic bucket playing recorded music nice. with these other it, I, iconic, just amazing musicians. And the look on Dylan's face and his posture was just so absolutely casual and in the moment that you realize that something like this may have never been captured before in terms of how that how he particularly fit into a, a, a group of people. Nothing more, nothing less. But as a shared creative artist in the most magnanimous of flow that we would hope for. That may, you would think it may have been easier for others, but it was transparent as to the soul of Bob Dylan in this, I, and, and I could say more about every one of these guys in this how, without stopping. How beautiful, how lucky are we that someone yes. thought to bring a camera, right? Yes. It's, if you had a documentarian at the Last Supper or something, it's right. it's these, the all of these people together doing this amazing, yes. they probably knew it was going to be once or twice in, in a lifetime, and I think it was only once. Once, as it turns uh, out, because four of the Wilburys have died. Right, oh, yeah, of course. But how lucky are we that there was someone there filming that? Yes. And oh my. just in the same way that like, wouldn't we would all love to be a fly on the wall when name your favorite song was being written, when, you know, when McCartney was putting together Blackbird or when, I don't know, when, when John and Paul were figuring out some chords for some song in their Liverpool sitting room. That's, those moments are rarely documented. And it's pretty cool that, that I, when you're with, with a super group, everyone is famous enough that people know that there might be something special that might be about to happen here. And, and of course, and the thing of it was, is that more than anything, it captured the fact of their friendship. Right. And so before anything else, and at the end of the day, it was a film about these friends who do what they do in the most comfortable, uh, wonderful opportunity that they've ever had. And it produces, not just in the live recordings that you see throughout the documentary, but most notably, too, as well in the studio, with George Harrison using his astounding capabilities and, and network of people to add to it and to cut additional tracks and to put it all together. There's nothing like it. Right. There's nothing like it. And they must, have uh, all, they must have all gotten along as well, because you get along well with people that... Not necessarily of your same, but I, I, yeah, of your same profession that know the hardships of what it is to be a professional musician or whatever. Yes. Like, yes. That, and that's why you get all these Hollywood marriages where actors marry actors because the other person gets their struggle in life or musicians with musicians. Uh, well, like so, any like any successful band, this band needed a leader. It was in fact George Harrison, and it's very clear that it was by the, his astounding personality, influence, and reach with genuine friendships within the industry and the shared admiration as, as artists that they shared, that people said in the band, again, it was George's band from beginning to end. Nice. This is important. The politics of a band and is crazy. It's crazy. It's And it gets crazy so quick. I told you about the drummer who quit during the gig in New Orleans. Did I ever tell you this story? I don't think so. So we're playing in this dive Vassos down in uh, New Orleans and BJ, who's the, the world's oldest continuous playing blues bass player in America, holds his daily audience at the early uh, afternoon hours, which passes early morning in New Orleans, the gig from 12 to 2 p.m. And Daryl, who is the uh, drummer, and with no one there but four or five musicians that were early in the morning when people were coming in, rolling in for a Bloody Mary or whatever, right. Daryl got sick and tired of BJ telling him how to drum, and he fucking stormed and went into a rant and, and quit. It was the passion of the moment, Lord. So that idea of the, of the longest continuous person doing something, I that's that's a thing that has come to an end with COVID. Like, 
before you could have the longest continuous performances or something. But uh, yeah, wait, that had right. to stop. Right? All, the, all the records are now established. I, I learned recently of the longest running play in New York City called Perfect Crime. And apparently it's just a terrible play. Like everyone that goes to see it, they're just like, what is this? Why is this? What is this? Is and it because it's camp? No, I think it's just bad. It's a whodunit. It tells the story of Margaret Thorne Brent, Connecticut psychiatrist and potential cold-blooded killer who may have committed potential. the perfect, the perfect like crime. That. Potential cold-blooded killer. Listen, if it's a potential and it sounds like when her, maybe it's reasonable, when her well, it's probably reasonable. But it holds the record for the longest-running play with over 12,000 performances from 1987 until, like, poof. Uh, hey, here's like, a question for how long do we have to go to where we break a record? It'll become the longest well, service. This is, this is number 88, and <laughs> I think there are people that are up to 1,000, but they like do, like, daily shit, so that doesn't count. But uh, double play, snowman. Uh, but apparently, they it's so they can do this, and, like, they don't make any money. It's just this passion project of the main, of the lead actress, and she also, like, sweeps up the theater and sells the tickets and stuff and does this every single night, seven days a week, all day, all every single, every day of the year and has for 25 or 30 years or something. But isn't that wild? Yeah. It's such a, you could have such a passion and, you know, she's not forgetting her lines. Like she, she must, she must just be on total autopilot when she's there on stage. Much like how we re- we rehearse for six days a, a week to get the perfect I know. episode. Where do the weeks go? It's like Saturday Night Live. Right. All the tension. All of the yeah. tension. My, my well, guy that holds up my cue cards is is <laughs> sick today. So if I stumble, that's fine. Uh, I, I watched some Farley clips from Dave Letterman the other day that just had me in hysterics. What a, what a, what a, what a fun guy he was to watch. Oh, hey, bro. Well, hold on. I, I briefly want to touch on some, some news this week, going back to the Wilburys. Did you see why Bob Dylan was in the news this week? Is this three to four hundred million deal to sell his catalog? He sold. He's 79 years old, and he sold his entire catalog for, I think it was 300 million. The, the range given is three to four. Million? Only. 300 to 400 okay. million. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We'll go with the low end. 300 million. But what an interesting play that is, because. If you don't, then your family is going to set up the Bob Dylan estate, and that estate is going to have a team of lawyers right. that is going to have to go and chase down whenever some yeah. TV show uh, uses uh, uses Stan right. Green Man, and and it's just going to be a, a big fucking hassle for him. Plus, there's a new tax liability coming up in 2021 that makes this year the year to do that. That's why it's jumping on in the the uh, the ever uh, present opinion of one David Crosby from. Crosby, Stills, Nash, which frankly is starting to get a bit tiresome for me, particularly. It's like, what? Who the fuck asked you, David? Anyway. Yeah, but uh, I, I love that. Uh, she's going to cash in as well. I love that. don't blame that, them. And that play of, I don't have a lot of sympathy for them paying off their 3 to $4 million mortgage, but people got to live in the lifestyle that they've become accustomed to. You know, all more power to I, I love his music. It's too bad I won't be able to see him again. I saw him here in Kalamazoo. He came to Kalamazoo State Theater with his new group. Of these young viral fucking musicians, man, three or uh, three of them for certain, and he this. fucking knocked Bobby me D. out of my socks. Yeah, it was astounding. And what the and, and I told you this, they they took clippets of the shit that he'd recorded in the studio, hours after hours, smoking dope, playing guitar, smoking dope, playing guitar, having a drink, shooting some fucking hair, whenever playing guitar, and they would listen. Like and they say, there's a piece we like, and they turn that into a song, and they say, there's a lick we like, and then they turn that into a song. It was fucking crazy good. And he ain't going to be able to do that again. He's fucking old. He'll fucking die before he'll be able to do it. He's got to take care of his kids. He wants to have a legacy of, of funds right. for his children. Exactly. That's I, don't what I think it's about. I think it's but about. Bob Dylan, here's a question. How many people do you think the Bob Dylan organization supports? How many families are relying on the income from the Bob Dylan enterprise, from the records and the music? He owns his own masters. He owns the rights to his own music. He does his own concerts. He travels constantly all over the world. How many people does he employ that the $300 million will end up lining their pockets in a way that is certainly appropriate? Sure. How many? What's your guess? Look, my, how many people does a man 400? have to support? 600? How many people does a man have to support before you can call him, him a man? The answer, my friend. Well, let me have the record reflect that we've been on the air now for one, one and a half hours. 
<laughs> and it is your first clever thing you've said. It's it's actually going to conclude this episode. I got to piss like what they say is a wounded moose. Now think I mean, about that. You're a moose, you're big, you got to piss, but then you get fucking wounded? That means you really got to fucking piss. I think Bobby's so old that he's not knocking on heaven's door. Okay, that does it for episode number 88. You can find the show notes at happyhour.fm slash 088. If you'd like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash happyhour and buy us a round. I don't know if you noticed, but I was unable to put chapter markers and things in this episode, and I just don't have time to do that going forward. So if you would like to help donate, again, that'd be awesome. See you next week.